Hello and welcome to your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, a former D1 hooper and current teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids. And I'm Omari Sanko for the second Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. And of course, we're always blessed to be joined by our producer, Wes Davenport. And a quick reminder, these live recording podcasts will be on Tuesday evenings like what we're doing now with the podcast dropping on Wednesday during these weeks where the Pistons play on a Monday, which obviously happened this week and is going to happen next week as well. So if you want to join us live, that'll be Tuesday evenings on the YouTube. And then the podcast will drop on Wednesdays wherever you're listening to your podcast. Today, we are joined by friend of the podcast, Sean Windsor of the Detroit Free Press and the Carlos and Sean podcast to break down the Pistons' first four games of action. John, Sean, excuse me, how are you doing tonight? Oh, not too bad. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always fun to come on to this this podcast, this hoop podcast. I wish I, I wish I could have a podcast that all we talked about were hoops, but I don't think Carlos would like that too much. Well, we just have to bring you in here. Also, happy Halloween. Were you a Halloween guy growing up? Did you take the kids trick or treating growing up, Sean? Well. You mean when my kids were young? When they were yeah, young. I took them trick or treating. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I went occasionally growing up. I was usually on military bases, but okay. Yeah, uh, Halloween's not so bad. Uh, Omari's just setting me up here because he knows I hate Halloween and I have no plans to have the lights on tonight for any kids to stop by my house or to go with my own kids. I love like our little one's a little bit scared and timid. I'm hoping he decides he doesn't want to go. So not a Halloween fan here. And yes, I mean, you got a six and two Lions team to talk about over on your podcast. So I don't know why you guys need basketball to to talk about on Carlos and Sean. You got a great football no, team. No, we, we don't. We don't. You're right, Bryce. But this is how much of a a nerd I am at the at Ford Field Monday night when the Lions were playing the Raiders. I I preferred, and I told my son this that you know I wish I were at home watching the Pistons <laughs> and the Thunder. I know the game didn't end up being very very good in a lot of ways, but yeah, that's kind of where my heart is. Yeah, you texted that to that. me, and I was like, you know, like they're like when we texted to me, they were two and one, and I'm like, this is probably the best start they've had to a season since who knows when. So that's not that's not a hot take at all, especially when you're a hoops guy. Yeah, if you're a hoops guy, you're a hoops guy, right? I mean, I love football. Don't get me wrong. But anyway. Nah, it's great. I I actually didn't get to watch the game live either because I get blacked out whenever the Thunder play because I live eight hours close enough to get blacked out. But anyway, let's get into it. So first game of the season, Pistons lose 102-103 to the Miami Heat. We're going to use that game to talk about one of the major topics that was blowing up on Twitter today. Pistons go 11 of 32 from three in that game. That was actually the most attempts they've taken this year. 9 of 15 from the free throw line. Starting with you, Sean, there's been all of this debate about the floor spacing around Cade and how does this work and is the lane open enough? All of that stuff. I have some statistics to give with three points. We can get to that in a second. Just where are you at with the floor spacing, especially around Cade and the starting lineup? So I, I think this is, this is a great question. I know I'm sure this is the debate, the, the central debate or one of them along with whether Killian Hayes should start, right, of, of Pistons Twitter. To me, it's it's about the context of what you're trying to build, right? So right now, the Pistons, look, I understand it's a really small sample size, but they're a top 10 defense right now by by the number. If you're just looking at points per game, and you know you can look at other metrics. If they put their best offensive players on the floor at all times, are they a top 10 offense as the, uh, with the roster they have right now? Well, are we taking uh, to account health? Uh, uh, Oh, with the roster they have oh, well, now. Okay. The right now, I mean, yeah. no, yeah, Bogdanovich w- would would change that. I would imagine yeah. to a, a, a fair amount. 
for sure. But I think what Monty Williams is trying to do is get this team to play, to, to check. We saw last night they, they weren't focused in, excuse me, I don't know if I should say last night, but we saw in Oklahoma City they weren't quite as dialed in as focused. And look what happened. Boom, they gave up 120 points. Mm-hmm. They're not going to win many games, even with their full roster a couple of months from now, if they keep giving up 120 points. Uh, right? I mean, they can be good offensively, but they're not Sacramento to me. So I would worry less about the spacing right now and let him start who's going to start and then try to rotate through and keep pounding on the defensive end and keep trying to get them connected defensively. Because to me, that's the, that's where the, the wins are going to come from. The offense can come out of that, to me. If you're trying to, I mean, building, right, from where they are. No doubt. I think just talking to Monty throughout, you know, preseason training camp, there's just been a lot of talk about you know, like this is essentially a new team, right? You have a new coach, you know, Kate missed a lot of last season. So you have guys who haven't really played with him. Him and Jalen Dern, I looked it up the other day, I wrote it. I think they only played like nine or 10 games together last season. So there's a lot that hasn't been figured out. But I think he really is, like you said, Sean, just trying to set a tone early. And, you know, Killian of all the guys in that backcourt is the best defensively. Uh, he's not shooting the ball well. Uh, you know, at this point, he's probably not a guy who's ever going to be a go-to option in any sense. But, the approach did work really for the first three games, right? Like they found enough offense to come back against Miami. They were down by 19. And then you win the next two games after that. And they did that with that starting lineup. So I see the plus minus stats on, on Twitter and everything else. And obviously K is getting swarmed whenever he has the ball. And maybe long term, there's some stuff you have to figure out. But for now, I don't think it's the biggest issue in the world, especially since you know you're getting Bogey back or getting Monte Morris back or getting Isaiah Livers back and those guys will fix your spacing issues. Uh, I was going back and forth with somebody on on Twitter, and to me, spacing is an issue, but it's more so just a health issue right now because your best floor spacers are hurt. So, you know, as a head coach, what do you prioritize? And they have been good on defense, even after the OKC game where they gave up 120 and OKC shot like 53%. They still have the 10th best defensive rating. So that's probably way better than anybody could have expected through four games so far. Let, let me give you some three-point shooting stats for this team, and then uh, I want to get your thoughts on that as well, Sean. So they're 30th in three-point attempts. They're less than 30 a game. 15th is 34. Fifth is 41. They're 30th in percentage of field goal attempts that are three-pointers. But here's the interesting. They're fourth in three-point percentage, over 40%. Sasser's over 50. Burks is over 50. Ivy's over 40. Stewart's over 40. Cade's at 40. Really, the only guys not shooting well are Hayes, Asar, and then Joe Harris hasn't shot the ball very well either. So I kind of wonder with those numbers, I don't know if you guys have seen this, do they just need to shoot some more threes to really prove to teams that they can space the floor, even with some of the guys they're minting in Monte Morris and Boyan, who are good floor spacers as well? Would you? Maybe they just need to shoot more of these on the offensive end to open up the paint a little bit. Well, I mean, that, that, that's a great question. And, you know, again, though, what, what is Williams trying to install offensively? He wants, and it's early, so maybe they will shoot more threes as it goes on, but he, he's asking his guys to make a, 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 a decision in a fraction of a second, right? The whole point five. You know, you, you either take a shot or move or move the ball. And so I, I feel like they're probably thinking a little bit still. Yeah to some degree, and there's not as much natural flow. So that, I would assume, would get better. And, I mean, if, if you know, he could also just say, hey, start shooting here more and, you know, look at the film and say, okay, we, if you, if so-and-so gets the ball right here, then let it go, period. Don't worry about swinging or whatever. Maybe, maybe that comes too, but I, I just feel like it's all so new. 
yes, they're going to tweak from game to game. And I, and you're right. They have some decent shooters and they're missing a couple. But I, I want to go back to the defense for a second. I, I've never seen Alec Burks try to play de- defense before. And he has for the first few games, right? You know, Monty Williams even talked about that, right, Omar, I think, after the Chicago he game. Did. You, you know, and, and Burks hit six threes, if I'm not mistaken, that night mm-hmm. against the Bulls. And Williams wanted to talk about how he was trying to check. To, to me, that's, I mean, they're, they're just, they're laying bricks right now. And no pun intended <laughs> for, for the shooting, but they're, they're laying cinder block. How about yeah. that? I mean, that, yeah, that, that's what they're doing. And, and they're, the whole vibe and the way they're competing is, it looks really different to me. It, it it just looks different, and you know we'll see what we'll see what happens. Real quick, here. Amari, and it's a tough. Real quick, just mm-hmm. they're third in field goal attempts under between the rim and five feet, so they're getting to the rim and getting a lot of shots at the rim. Mm-hmm. To I think you were kind of talking about that, Sean, and they're thirteenth in offensive rating overall. So we can take as many screenshots as we want and post them and do all that stuff. And I know it's real, and I know the one today was just blowing up all over of the one where four guys around Kate. I want to say like Stu was wide open in the weak side corner and is shooting over forty percent from three, but. It's not like the offense is 30th in the league in terms of offensive rating. So I just wanted to throw those out there as well, Amari. Yeah, it's like, again, like the, the spacing guys with an issue when you look at, you know, how K is being swarmed and some of the turnovers that have resulted from that. Even Isaiah Stewart, like they've, you know, tried to trap him here and there to, you know, challenge him as a passer. But you could take those screen grabs out as a hove. They've been fine on both ends of the floor. So it's like, is it an issue? Yes, but it kind of goes back to what I said earlier where I think it's just more so of a health issue because Bogey's hurt and two other shooters are hurt. Uh, during preseason, Monty mentioned that he was going to start Bogey, and I don't know if they're expecting to have him back sooner, but you know, obviously Bogey's probably going to be out for another few weeks at least. So that's when Killian Hayes sort of entered the equation as a starter because I think for you know Monty Williams at that point, it's, okay, do we just put Jaden Ivey in there or, you know, and, you know, and that he's had a pretty short lease with Ivy as far as just his defense. When he misses rotations or isn't engaged, he's putting him out of the game. And Ivy's been a lot better, I think, since then, especially on offense. He's been hitting shots. But it's really hard, I think, with the way the roster is with guys hurt to find the right balance between shooting and defense. You know, Alec Briggs has defended pretty well, but historically he hasn't. You know, so that's something you have to to weigh. Jaden Ivy has shot the bar probably better than people expected, so maybe that adds another wrinkle to it as well. But there just aren't many guys on this, on this roster who can both defend and hit threes, and I think that's the issue now. And I'll also say that Isaiah Stewart, he's averaging 3.5. He shot it really well. He's still been a little bit of a reluctant shooter, and he's probably at the point now where he could probably take a lot more, honestly. Like, I think some of those three-point attempts could go up uh, if he just embraced being a shooter a little bit more than he has. Somebody in the starting lineup has to do that. We know Kay could hit him. Nobody else has really been that aggressive shooting the ball, and I think Isaiah Stewart could at least feel some of that until Boyan gets back as well. You know, Bogdanovich is obviously going to change the spacing. He's not a plus-plus defender himself, but at least he's got a little bit more size, Yeah, right? I, you know, over Burks. So, it, you know, if you want to make the argument, he should be starting Burks over over killing Hayes for spacing. But get back to that screenshot for a second, and, and I saw that, right? And it looks bad. I get it. Mm. You look at who's around, and you're thinking about, okay, can they really shoot? Uh, Stewart still has to prove it a little bit Absolutely. more to me. But I thought I thought that the Bulls packed it in, to be honest with you, a bunch based on what they'd seen the previous two games. And the difference was they checked and they got rebounds and they got out and transitioned. Well, you know what else the difference so was, Sean? The much. Thunder have Chet Holmgren, 
and the Bulls don't. They have Nikola Vucevic. Like, there's a difference in, and even the Charlotte Hornets have Mark Williams, Sean, who is long and athletic and big. And so that's why I think the Bulls game, it looked a little better in terms of getting downhill. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. They tried to pack it in, though. Right? You, you guys yeah. saw that game, right? I mean, the Bulls tried to pack it in, and, and it did muck it up in stretches, for for sure. But they also got out a lot more in transition, and uh, yeah. And I'm sure you're going to talk about Cunningham, but he he's you know he did he didn't he didn't look right. I don't think it was just a defensive strategy against the Thunder. That, that's what I want to say. Like I don't l- listen. Yes, the floor spacing would be nice, and the screen grabs, as Chuck says, you can probably take that picture for every team in the league if you try and I even one I saw like they if somebody took a picture of a thunder one is like it's the plays weren't even one to one one looked like a scramble play where SGA was getting downhill Cades was a pick and roll with Durin where the defense can set up and yes spacing is an issue they need more but sometimes I think there's angles for Cade to get in there as well let's let's shift gears just a little bit here because we'll talk back through the defense and through Cade and all of that as we go through they beat the Hornets 111-99. But in this game, Sean, they have 23 turnovers. Second game in a row where they have 15 in the first half. They are currently 29th in the NBA in turnovers, averaging almost 19 per game. The Spurs are last over 20 a game. Cade's averaging over five. Duran's averaging almost three. Asar, two and a half. Stu, 2.3. Ivy, two. What have you thought about the turnovers with this team so far in this young season? I agree with what William said uh, a few days ago that they were trying to trying to make plays in traffic. Again, it gets back to the to packing the paint to some degree, or at least you know to, toward the elbows and the nail and all that sort of stuff. So I I, I feel like that's probably the number one reason. And the, the other thing too is that it starts with Cunningham. You, your point guard can't turn the ball over five times. He's to, look. He's got one. To me, he's got one season. He's played yep. one season of basketball. And he's still trying to, if you if you look about it, just in terms of amount of games, 80, right? Played exactly he's eighty. Still Sean, trying that's to, it. yeah. So not even a full season coming into the, you know, two games shy of a full season, and he's still got to figure out the, the the space, the pace, right, the speed, the length, go through the league, learn learn players to some degree. I mean that 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 all matters. What he can and can't do, I, I, I to me, he's still trying to figure that out. That's not to say. I mean, maybe he always will be kind of a high, a turnover prone player, but, but I think it's a little bit too early. But to me, it's, it, it starts with him. And then the way they're getting defended because of those spacing issues, just they shrink the passing lanes, right? They, they narrow the pass, the margin for the passing angles. It just, it makes it tough. Yeah, I agree. And again, I, I really do think a lot of this gets fixed as they get healthier. Like I'm probably going to say that a few more times over the course of this pod. But, you know, you just imagine Bogey out there, you know, like, like let's say you spot Bogey for Killian. How much do you think that improves things just because now the defense has, the opposing defense has pretty much two offensive weapons you have to keep somebody on at all times? I, I like that swap. I don't know what you think, Sean, but that's, I think the balance is you make one substitution like that, whether obviously Boyan's not healthy right now. If it's Alec Burks, Boyan, whoever it is, you've to put one of those guys in. I think it balances it really well because now Killian can actually be the primary defender in the second unit. I think that's the answer because again, going back to that screen grab now on the weak side or in the strong side corner, that's Boyan. So either the guy's not helping or Boyan's knocking down the shot. So I think that's the balance. Sean, do you think that's a good balance offensively and defensively, whether it's Burks or Boyan or whoever, and then Killian to the second unit? No, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I don't understand so many of the Pistons fans who just just automatically want him out of here. 
want Boyan out of here. Yeah. Right. What, what, what do you, so here's the, this is, this is always my question. What are you getting for him? Right. Versus, versus the value he has for this team right now. You're not getting a high lottery pick. Right. I mean, so, so maybe you can find somebody on a bench somewhere who's in a rotation. I mean, maybe you get a starter from some other place, but there's going to be a trade off. So he, he's not going to bring a superstar back. I mean, if you and if you get a, if you get a, a mid late first round pick, that's a roll of the dice. You, you know, I, I don't. That, that's what doesn't make sense to me because this guy team's got to learn how to win. I know that's so cliche, but they do, and you got to have a few vets, and they and they need. He he's he can shoot. He's not. He's a really good secondary playmaker too, and and he just calms things down. He's a he's a winning basketball player, right? And you said it earlier, he, he's kind of and, big enough, he can take some of the defensive matchups you would want, right, Sean? Like, he's not a good defender, but he's big enough that he, he makes up for some of that just with sheer size. He does, and to me, it gives him more flexibility. To me, if you have him, you can sit Stewart mm-hmm. and, and play Ivy and go small, especially if Ivy's yes. going to... Because at some point, you gotta, at some point, you're going to have to invest in, in Jaden Ivy and see what yes. you've got, right? Mm-hmm. And I get it, you know, defensively he gets lost, especially, team, you know, on a weak side and team-wise. That's for sure. But to me, think about that lineup, right? You got Thompson, Cunningham, Duran, Bogdanovich, and Ivy. That, that, that could get some run at some point. Start it. To me. Now, I, Stewart's really, really important, obviously. But, you know, I might make an argument for that five. Getting some Sean, time. that's my starting lineup since the preseason. And my arg- and I know, Amari, we got to get you in here. But my thing is, let's put the pressure on Jaden Ivey. Hey, you take those defensive matchups. Asar can take the number one. You take the number two guy, and let's see what you have defensively. And quite honestly, he's shot the ball really well so far this year. So I, I love that starting five. Amari, or, or that five, whether you start it or not, it needs to play minutes when everybody, again, as you said, Amari, is healthy. Where are you at with some mm-hmm. of this stuff? You know, I, and I mentioned this earlier on, on Twitter. I actually don't hate Jaden Ivey coming off of the bench. So I do think long-term, you probably do need to figure out how he plays next to Cade Cunningham. They obviously didn't get that time last season, which was really important long-term. But, you know, Jaden had a really bad first game. But then since then, he had 18 points, 8 for 14 from the floor. And then I uh, guess OKC, like he was, especially in the second half, he was the team's only player who could really get a bucket. I mean, he had 20 points. He shot 7 for 13, 4 of 6 from 3. And I think him being in the second unit, he gets the ball a little bit more. He doesn't have to, you know, try to figure out where he fits in with Kate. He can just kind of come in and relax and be in attack mode. And I think that along with just, you know, Monty wanting him to come in and also be that impact guy defensively. Uh, I talked to Jaden before the season and he said, you know, he wants to use his God-given gifts on defense. And for him, it's really just developing the awareness and the technique he needs to even just be average. Uh, I think long term, that could be really good for him because it's not just offense. He also needs to be able to take some defensive pressure off of K too, ideally. So I really don't mind Jaden Ivey coming off the bench. I don't think that's really been that much of an issue, especially if he's getting that much burn in the second uh, halves. But overall, like, again, I just come back to, I just think Bogey being injured really kind of throws things out of whack rotationally because he does do so much for you. And I'd be curious to see, once he is cleared to play, if Monty sticks to that original plan of putting him back in the starting lineup and if he makes any lineup changes before they get to that point because he knows what Bogey can give you and you don't have to experiment as much. I, I, I totally understand. And that's fine if Ivy comes off the yeah. bench. I'm just, I'm with Bryce. He needs time mm-hmm. with those four other guys because I think they could be a, 
a devastating lineup at some point, right? Maybe not defensively. And you're right. You know, Ivy's talking about his God-given gifts. I, there was a play in the was it in the second half against the Thunder where he's up. It's one on one. He's up on uh, on SGA, and he's way yes. too high up yep. on him, right? Mm-hmm. They're 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 four or five feet up behind the three point line. It's shaded to the right side, I guess. And just the, there were two things that stuck out. One, for first of all, you had no business being that close to him. It's not Curry, yeah. <laughs> right or Dame or whatever, and two, his knees weren't bent enough. He 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 just went and and Gilgis Alexander just went yeah. right by him. He wasn't ready. It's like he wasn't. Fo- I mean, it's not, I don't want to say he wasn't focused, but that's what he's got to learn. So you can talk all about God given gifts, somebody's quickness and lateral quickness, but if you don't know how to crouch down and anticipate and know where to be then, uh, yeah, it's hard to play defense. All right, we're going to go to a short break. Really good stuff so far. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the defense. We'll talk about how good they have been, maybe a little bit what happened in that Bulls game, even though Zach Levine did go crazy, and some of the other individual performances we've seen on that end of the floor when we get back from this short break. All right, we are back with segment two, and we're going to dive into the defense here. I actually wrote some of this stuff in the story that's going to come out tomorrow, but they have the 10th best defensive rating right now. I think they were seventh before they lost to the Thunder on Monday night. They hadn't had a team shoot above 42% for the Thunder game. They held all three opponents below 104 points. You know, again, I think, you know, just going back to what Monty talked about on defense and then seeing how quickly that's translated, would you guys agree that they're really ahead of schedule, maybe in that area, just given where they were the past few seasons? I mean, Jalen Duran's improved, I think, significantly. His awareness, his timing is so much better. Isaiah Stewart, I think, because, you know, him and Duran have really formed a pretty formidable front court just with the size and the strength you have there. And then Asar, I mean, some of the plays he had against Levine and, and, then, and then Shane Monday night were just like, his anticipation is really incredible. I think he had three blocks. I think two of those blocks were on Shay. Like, he just kind of shadowed him when he drove to the rim and then blocked it. And, some of the stuff Asar is doing already is just absolutely insane. So you combine all of that, and it seems like this team has what it takes to remain above average defensively from start to, to finish. Like, I don't see anything they've done so far that's not sustainable. Yeah, Sean, what are your thoughts on Asar? I, I got to hear this because, I mean, this kid has been incredible on the defensive end. He has. You know, it's funny. You mentioned when he was checking Gilgis Alexander yeah. the other day. At one point, I felt like Alexander, Gilgis Alexander was going to the, to the rim and he was right with him and you know how he throws his head back like Harden does trying to draw the foul sort of fake contact right and he didn't get he threw it back he didn't get a call and he kept going and he swiped he moved I think he cut uh, Thompson's face and he had to get Mm -hmm. a stitch or a little butterfly bandage or something and yet he got called for the foul at some point that's that's not going to happen right he's going to have such a benefit of the doubt with the officials that those calls are going to go the other way. But but getting back to the Bulls real quickly, when he got on uh, Levine down the stretch, that that was it. Mm-hmm. He had, what, 49 with five, six minutes to go, and he got two more points. Yeah. And those that was the that was when Thompson checked him. I mean, solely checked him, right? Because he rotated over on DeRozan for yep. a lot of the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I don't know about you, how, how many times did you see Zach Levine's jump shot get blocked? He jumped so high. That's kind of yeah, crazy, yeah, right? You don't block to... that guy's jumper, not that guy's. Yeah. And he, he, he blocked his junker, I mean, a jumper. And everybody was talking about when he streaked down and picked him from behind. And that was great. That was great hustle. 
And Levine didn't know he was back there, right? That was that was just as much the Bulls' teammates' fault for not yelling that hey, somebody's coming back or whatever. But and that was great. That showed a lot of a lot of hustle and anticipation. But the his ability to stay with people stride for stride, and so far for the most part, yeah. not foul. Is is you're talking about God God given gifts, yeah. right? I mean, Ivy's is as le- he he maybe doesn't have that second quick jump like Thompson does. But he's as athletic as athletic as Thompson, isn't he? So why are they such defensive, different defensive players? Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a cliche, but Thompson just has instincts you can't teach. Like you look at some of the weak side blocks, exactly. Like you see how he he rebounds. I mean, he's like a stick figure against some of those centers, and he's just like rising right above them. Like that's just stuff you you can't teach. Either you have it or you don't. And I'm just thinking NBA wings in general. There's only so many guys who can do that. Period. I mean, not just guys in the NBA now, but just you think of years past too, like there just aren't that many wings who come in their day one effective defenders against these guys. I mean, the Stars averaging 11 rebounds a game. He's just doing all sorts of stuff, two and a half blocks. It really has been crazy to watch. And he's 6'6". Six, six, yeah, 6'6", right? six, 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 Jimmy Butler was Jimmy Butler was calling up Bam or whoever to get him <laughs> off of him. Yeah. <laughs> On, on on opening night, right? It was opening so night. So that's what's gonna happen. I mean, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. This actually. is where this team, the next iteration is. How do you not allow teams just to switch Asar off of whoever he's guarding? That's what they're gonna have to do. Is because you can't just let teams come up, set a ball screen, and switch Cade or Burks or whoever onto their best player because you got to keep Asar on them. That Bulls game, yeah, Levine had 51. It was it was weird matchups. Cade started on him, and then eventually Asar switched over there. DeRozan had 20, Vooch 12. Nobody else had more than five. Kobe White and Patrick Williams didn't even score. They're fifth in defensive field goal percentage. So now here we can talk about Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart, even a little bit of Marvin Bagley, Sean. Other teams have the worst field goal percentage in the league within the rim to five feet. We have the fourth, fourth most attempts but the worst field goal percentage in the league for their opponents from the rim to five feet. I think that speaks volumes about Asar, right? He, he does some of this as well, but maybe some improvement from Jalen Duran, Stewart. And again, I, I don't love Marvin Bagley defensively, but I think he's been a little bit better. Now it was a low bar, but he's been a little bit better. What do you think about the interior defense of some of these bigs? Well, first of all, Bagley's yes, trying, yes. right? And he's competing, and they and they all are. God, I, I hate to say this because I don't mean it as a slam at Dwayne Casey. All right, sometimes it just happened. The coach is there for a while, but for whatever reason, the compete level it just wasn't it, it wasn't there mm-hmm. last year. It, it, injury had a lot to do with that too. You know, not having Cunningham for the whole year for sure. So I'd start with that with Bagley with Stewart. He's always had that that ambition to be you know a, a top uh, a top defender in the league he's just getting smarter and more experienced and the thing about him is his rim protection is fine but it's just hard to move him and, it, and if you can't move somebody down there and get the space to get comfortable to shoot then your percentage isn't going to be great and then Duran has probably to me made the, the, the most improvement he has a much better sense of where to be right when to cheat off when to help when to get back where where kind of the ball is where the ball might be going I mean that that doesn't he just look, he looks like he belongs in the NBA in that way now he's looked like a belonging in the NBA from the minute he stepped on the court with his body yeah but now he looks like it as a play I mean he's just so comfortable and you see it on the offensive end too I know he's had some turnovers a little bit but you know he's out directing traffic up top a few times he's that that tells you when somebody's comfortable right when they're dribbling and they're using their other hand to point to direct people as a six ten center or six eleven whatever at nineteen years old. So I think we see that defensively too. 
No doubt. I mean, and just again, he's 19 years old. Like, I think you forget that watching him, and it makes it a little bit easier to forgive some of the mistakes you see. But really, I think in the grand scheme, the turnovers have been, for him, it's, 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 it's been fine because you want him to develop that playmaking instinct. Like, some of the high-low passes he's had with Isaiah Stewart, like, I just feel like he's just been significantly better in that area as well. Yeah, and I will say the one thing I want to see defensively in the ball screen is I want to see him just be a little more active. At times, he doesn't use his length as much as I think he can. They're kind of playing him in deep drop coverage, which we saw Chet in Oklahoma City take advantage of that with some of the pick and pop stuff. I just would like to see him be a little bit more active, but there's no doubt. There's no question. He has improved. He has gotten better. And then the last game we've seen was that aforementioned Thunder game. Thunder have been really good this year. I know they got blown out by the Nuggets. The Nuggets look insane, but this was a 112-124 loss. Yeah, <laughs> they look they so good. Oh my God. The, the yeah. starters look incredible. And then Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, all these guys are hooping too. Julian Strother as a rookie was good in the preseason. They're better defensively it, than a year ago. Yeah. They lost it's, Bruce it's, Brown. It's, right? yeah. People thought, oh, Chemistry what? matters. But 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 to what to to your point about what to, to what Monty Williams is trying to build the Nuggets are a good example. They're the what the second best second overall best defensive team defensive team in the league right now. Phoenix is right behind them, and those are two of the best teams in the West. Denver's probably the best team. That's that's where it starts. You know, I don't know if we talked about it before on the podcast. Golden State when they were at their peak, they were the one of the two, three, four best defensives in the league. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's and Monty, Monty Williams' sons. You know, they got up in you. That's that's how they started to win, right? You know, it wasn't just Booker chucking everywhere. Yeah. I want to ask, what is your overarching takeaway maybe from that game? Because I know, and I've seen it here in the chat a little bit, that some of the teams early on, they haven't been great. The offenses weren't great. Then you go play the Thunder in Oklahoma City. They're kind of off a tough night. What did you walk away feeling from watching Monday night's game versus the Thunder, Sean? Mine was, I'm excited about this team. It's improved. The defense looks better. They got to shake some stuff out with the spacing. We've talked about that at length already. But I'm not sure the play-in 500 record stuff that some people got excited about after the second win is really there. I think this team is going to be better and maybe flirting with 30 wins like we've talked about. What was your takeaway after watching them against a pretty good, young, and talented Oklahoma City Thunder team? I think the Thunder, you know, have the have the skill and the talent and maybe the experience. I know they're young to to be a top four team in the West. We'll see. Right. But that that was a motivated team that had been just embarrassed the night before by the Nuggets. And you could see and I think I think Gildas Alexander struggled a bit. He hit one maybe he was one yeah, for fifteen or yeah. one for sixteen against bad. Denver. Yeah. And I and, and there's no way that was all Denver's defense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean NBA players don't. It's not generally because of defense. They just have a they just have an off night. So when I actually saw that stat the day before, that morning of, I guess whatever that was, Monday morning, when I saw that stat, I thought, okay, they're in trouble. And the Pistons are in trouble because yeah. that's what NBA players do. So you kind of knew they, that was coming from him, and you figured it was just going to be a really tough night. And then you add in, it's not that they didn't compete. It just they, they didn't seem as focused. And I, 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 to me, that gets back to Cunningham. I don't feel like he knew what he was doing, like he knew what he wanted to do. He, he he was uncertain, and he was. I know he plays with pace and change of pace in particular, and he he's got great hesitation and all that. But I I thought there was a little bit too much uncertainty into his game, and it played right into their hands. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that would be fixed if he just passed out of double teams quicker. Honestly, it seems like he kind of buys his time waiting to figure out what to do, and it's like you can't do that. Do you remember the Do you remember the turnover? He got doubled. He was on the left side, on close to the block, and he got doubled. He wasn't exactly on the block, but down there somewhere. Yeah. 
and he was waiting and waiting, and he had an easy pass right out to Burks, mm-hmm. right, just to get it out and, and try something else. But he kept, he, he didn't want to do that, and he tried to make a pass up to the top to get an open three, and it was tipped, and there was a turnover, was a run out the other way, stuff like that. Like just right, make just it a get simple the ball play. Out. Yeah, just make the simple in, play. In the Chicago yeah. game, they had played so well. It looked like they were going to blow Chicago out, and then Caruso baits him into two like just kind of careless turnovers where he, you know yeah. Caruso rotates off the ball. I also he, listen. I know I'm like preaching three pointers. That's what I did as a player. So I love. I think he doesn't take enough threes. He's shooting forty percent right now on threes. He's taking six point three a game. That's that's okay. I think he should take eight. Like <laughs> stop turning that. Go ahead, Sean. No, no, I was just going to say, look, can we talk about his yeah, threes for a second? It. Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know, I haven't looked at any of the deep, deep analytics on where he is in the positioning and so forth. But just from the eye test, I, he's not that effective if his feet aren't absolutely set. He can shoot off the dribble, but he's got to almost walk into it to a degree. Or or he's got to be in the kind of rhythm where he's, He's crossing back, so he's he's pulling the ball back across his body to get space from one side to another and rising up. If he doesn't have the room to have a rhythm dribble or just catch and shoot with his feet set, he, he's not very effective, and he misses badly, right? Mm-hmm. So, so how does he take more threes? He's not at the level of shooter yet. So he's me. eight of 18 on right. catch and shoot. I would say the ones I'm talking about, I think there's at least two times a game where he gets a reversal or a one more pass or even a DHO handoff where he's open and can shoot it and he turns it down. And there's a specific one in the Thunder game where he turns one down, drives baseline, tries to make a weak side read, and it's a steal and a, a run out the other way. And so that's what I'm, and I know it doesn't sound like much, but if he's shooting 44% on catch and shoot threes, that means he's almost making one out of every two. And then if he's turning it over one out of every two times when he turns it down and tries to drive, like that, that matters in the grand scheme of things. So you're right. You're right. Sometimes it looks like he's leaning to the left a little bit. There's a rhythm thing with some of it, but the catch and shoot so far, small sample size, but so far, Amari, the catch and shoot numbers have been good from three this year. Yeah, and along with that, I, that's almost like a backdoor argument to starting Ivy because how do you get Kate Burkett to shoot? You need somebody else next to him who has gravity, and that's Ivy. Like, I don't know who else on that team would be able to generate that type of gravity, and we know Ivy can kick it out. So, you know, so well, Bogdanovich sure will. And Bogey, and point, Bogey, right? that's true. It, it sounds like this team could use yeah, uh, no, Boyan Bogdanovich on the roster. That's I think that's <laughs> one. No, they could. I just, I, I, was just I was just curious what you guys, I'm curious what you guys thought of Cade to, to this point because he he's looked, I mean, obviously, opening night, right? He was getting to wherever he wanted to get, and 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 pulling up. That that's his his bread and butter, especially the from the nail. You know, if you if you draw an arc kind of down from either side, you know, six eight feet. Yeah, right. It's if you had the, if you had the three point line from the free throw line, and it was going down to the baseline, just anywhere on either side along that. His it's it's butter, right? And he can get there, and he can hit contested shots in there, which he which I think is really, really important if you're going to be a star player in this league. But I was just curious what you thought of his overall performance. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think it's been solid, but it leaves me wanting more because I, I just have that high expectations for Cade. And listen, it goes back to the floor spacing. I get it. People want more floor spacing. It's been talked about ad nauseum here on Twitter. My guy Sam Bassini's broke into the whole breakdown on YouTube. I get it. But I just hold Cade... I hold Kate accountable for a little bit of it also. Like either he wants to take those mid-range jumpers, which I'm fine with, 
Or I think there's times he could find those gaps and play through contact and get to the rim himself. I, I do wonder, we're just 80 games in, but right now he's essentially shot 42, 41% from the field for his entire career. 80 games, small sample, but it'd just be interesting where that efficiency starts to come from. How much can he get to the free throw line? Right now he's at three and a half attempts. The assists are good. The turnovers are not. And then I do think it's interesting. The rebounds are down, but like, I don't know what rebounds are left for him to grab whenever you're on the floor with Duran, Stewart, and Nassar. Not with that front yeah, line. Yeah. Just, yeah. No, he's not I hope nobody looks yeah. at that and says, oh, Cade's not rebound. Like, there are legitimately right. no rebounds left to grab with those guys. But Asar, like Asar and Duran combined, are grabbing like twenty four or twenty five rebounds a game, which is insane. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'll be shocked if Kate averages more than four rebounds per game this season. Honestly, yeah, it, that would be the if they switch that starting lineup, that's where he would have to be a little more impactful defensive boards wise. Because if you put mm-hmm. Boyan in for Stu, Boyan's not going to get as many rebounds as Stewart, and so Cade would have to make up some of that ground there. But right. you know, uh, Sean, I think it's been good. It hasn't been like. I, I thought he'd be playing at close to an all-star level. I don't know that he's doing that right now. Would you agree? No, he's not. He looked like the yes. first night, right, mm-hmm. on opening opening night. But since then, no, he's, he's been inconsistent. I think, again, though, I think this is his second yep. year. You know, I don't know what you think of SGA in terms of a player comp, but it rem- he reminds me, of, it's, not that, it's not that their games are that similar, but it's the idea of the mid-range... Yes. You know, a, ta- a, a point guard with size who lives in the mid range, who's going to just get comfortable and add something. And each not season. an explosive athlete, Sean. You know, SGA is not wowing you exactly. with explosive athleticism. No, he's not. You know, but he was he was a borderline MVP candidate a year ago, and that was what his fourth year. Yeah, or yeah. his fifth. Yeah. No, he's been yes, around he for a bit, been. right? So, God, I I, w- I wish I had that off the top of my head. I should have researched that. That's 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 yeah. poor guessmanship. <laughs> Sorry, but no, but. It's 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 going to be incremental a little bit, right? Yeah, I'm definitely looking. It reminds at, me of S- SGA. Yeah, or 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 Darius Garland. I, I was I thought of that the other day, but just you know, you look at Darius Garland and just his control of the ball and just his his touch. He has some some wiggle. I think K could be a six six version of him as well. Sixth year in the league for SGA, Sean. This is SGA's mm-hmm. sixth year, and he's played almost four times as many games as K. So to your point. We yeah. got to be a little bit patient, but you're right. SGA does the mid post or mid range stuff out of the mid post. Like he'll legitimately just back you down and do it where Cades is a little more walk into it. But yeah, like they're both guys that have to operate in the mid range a little bit. And SGA to his credit has found a way to be efficient with it as he's shot 48% from the field overall for his career. I do want to see K post up a little bit yes. more too. I'll throw that that out there. It doesn't even have to just be like on the the block. He could be a little bit further out. He's got the footwork. He's got all that really. But with K, I want to see how he evolves in like fifteen to twenty game increments because he did miss so much time last season that I don't know how much of this is like long term concern and how much is just him working off some rust. Which it may be the former just because he's doing some of the same mistakes he made as a rookie. But I wouldn't be surprised if by the halfway point he's ironed a lot of this out just because he's gotten the rhythm under him. Absolutely. Well, he's got a lot of responsibility, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, that's and he's and he's got to sift through all of that, running the team, leading the team, making sure everybody gets fed, and then figure out where to get his within all that and where best, where is it best on the floor to get his? I mean, he's he's actually a pretty good finisher for somebody who's not that athletic. Yeah, and and, and I've always said, like, when you compare him to other guys in his class, Sean, none of those other guys have been asked to be the face of the franchise. 
Toronto's not asking Scotty Barnes to be the lone face of the franchise. Jalen Green has all of these high price vets around him now in Houston. Cade is the one guy that's being asked to do all the things you just talked about in terms of being a leader, get everybody else theirs, all of that stuff. So you're right. He, he has a heavy, heavy load. And I think with that has come a lot of expectations, really high expectations as we're, you know, we're nitpicking a guy who's averaging what, 21 and what, what is he averaging assist wise? Almost eight a game, seven and a half a game. Yeah. It's the efficiency, right, Omari? Yes. That, that's what people talk about. Yeah. And back to y'all, y'all's point, too, about space. Spa- obviously, spacing would help him. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, of, you know, a good example right now, it's funny, I, I saw this quote a, a couple of days ago from Chris Paul, who said, you know, he's been in the league for 20 years. He said, all of a sudden, I, you know, he's 38 years <laughs> old. He's got, he doesn't have much jump left or much quickness left relative to who he was. He said, but I can get to, the, he's getting to the rim. Because there's a little bit of space on that floor, right? Yeah. So so it matters. It matters. I just thought that was funny. Yeah. He's like, hey, I've never had more space in my life. So no, you're right. It, I was thinking about that in relation to the Pistons. Not that they're going to, not that anybody on the roster is going to hit corner threes falling out of bounds like Curry did the other night. But 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 still, right? Yep. And that should help Kate. Yes, absolutely. And, and again, the shooting is on the roster. It's just about Monty finding the balance. And I think you brought up a good point early in the episode, Sean, is maybe he's trying to lay this foundation, this cement, because we don't want to say bricks, lay these early with the defense and then you'll build off the rest of it. And maybe we see K just shine whenever they feel like they have the defense foundation laid and then they can focus a little more on the offense and that spacing. We got to take a short break right here. When we come back, we still have Jalen Dern. We can talk about Jay Nivey, Asar. We can dive into more. Stu, Killian, all the guys off the bench. Amari, you choose who you want to start with. We'll dive into that when we come back from this short break. All right, we're back with segment three. Let's get into Beast, too, because he's shooting the ball really well. But I think even beyond that, he's shown some playmaking juice that he didn't always show last season. And there's been so much debate about him playing the four. Personally, I think he's shown enough to justify it. I know there's still some disagreement there. Sean, what have you seen from Isaiah Stewart just in the first four games so far? Did the usual tenacity, which I feel like mm-hmm. is... I feel like it's uh, even more pronounced, and I'm assuming part of that's the new coaching staff, part of that's getting Cade Cunningham back, part of that's just him getting a little bit older mm-hmm. and feeling even more and, and feeling even more confident. I, I just feel like his you feel him on the court in a different way to me. His rebounding, obviously, got to share that with Dern and, and my goodness Thompson. But yeah. I, I, I like I like him. I mean, he can switch. He can he can check other at least for a sec smaller, quicker players out in the perimeter. He's, I mean, he can defend anywhere. Offensively, he hit a he hit a three in one of these few games where he pump faked and let the guy go by him and then reset his feet. And I'm like, ooh, oh, that's a, that's <laughs> yeah. a little bit different. So if he's going to be able to do that, yeah, the three-point shooting is not the thing I'd worry about. And you're right, the, the, the playmaking, he's driven in a couple times. But he also gets carried away mm-hmm. a little bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. My, my, my biggest, the last thing, my biggest, not worry, but but point about what he does offensively right now is if he catches the ball a couple of feet from the rim, he's fine. He can he can draw a foul or he's not bad. But there have been too many times where the team has posted him up five, six feet away or given him the ball even a little bit further away and he's in no man's land. It almost always leads to a turnover yeah. or, a, or a miss. You know, I just, I, I don't think uh, that's something, and I know he wants to grow his game, but to me that's not where his game is right now. 
Yeah, he's found a good balance of the three-point shooting, but also finding some paint shots this year. But to your point, those paint shots need to be, I beat everybody down in transition and I get post position where I can just catch and finish, right? Like I don't have to catch 12 feet from the block and back you down, back you down, back you down. It's catch, yeah, that, that's finish. not happening. Yeah, yeah. Catch, finish, <laughs> catch, finish. But I do like that he is getting those attempts to go along with the three-pointers. And you're right. And the biggest thing from what you said about the shot fake sidestep three, that means he got somebody to close out to him, Sean. Mm. And that's what this team needs. They need defenses right. to respect him where they're going to stay home or they're going to close out to him. And we've seen at least a little bit of that, Amari, where teams are starting to just say like, hey, we better at least get a hand up or else he is going to knock this down. And he's starting to get some respect. You know, it's funny because you'll see some of those screenshots of like teams are leaving wide open, which is why I kind of go back to, you know, maybe he could just shoot more of them to gain that respect. But I mean, 40% is nothing to sneeze at. We saw him shoot, what, it was like 39% through the first, I think, 27 or 28 games last year before he got hurt. So, you know, again, it's a, a long season. I'm curious to see if he sustains it. But I feel like at, at this point, he's done enough to where you could feel pretty comfortable about him in that row. And also just add, you know, as far as I'm getting lost in no man's land, Sean, I think the Pistons could do more to bail him out too. And, and like even Cade, because like when they do get trapped, guys just kind of stand around and wait for something to happen. And it's like, you could, you know, rotate, do something to kind of make it easier. And I think they're still trying to, trying to figure out a lot of these point five concepts. Because if Isaiah Stewart's like 18 out with the bond in sand with two people on him, that's the opposite of point five. That's like five seconds. So I think they're still working on a lot of the you know, just spacing aspects and off-ball movement aspects that they need to kind of get this going to where it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing about this point five offense is it's not easy to learn and it's going to take some time to really figure it out. The, you've talked, like, the flow looks really good at times and other time it looks a little confusing. Well, when you put this in, all guys have to be on the same page, moving at the same time, getting to the right spots. And so, yeah, Sean, that can be tough to really figure out. And it, it ends up in some ugly possessions at time until everybody gets on the same page with those things. No, for sure. I just keep thinking about this this question of, with, speaking of Stewart, when, when Bogdanovich comes back, obviously he's going to be in the starting lineup and they're going to be big. You know, they're going to be even bigger than they are now. I would assume, because then Thompson moves out to the two, two, which is a big team. That's what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, yeah. Nobody's six, shooting a 6'6". Six, 6'9", six. Six, six, yeah. I mean, that's that's big and athletic, except for Bogdanovich. But but I was thinking about that, you know, just, or, or, or do you go with Ivy? When 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 you get him back, and and what is Stewart? Is he is he going to be so important that he has to be on the floor that he needs to start? Or Duran is that going to be part of the identity of his team? Or is Ivy going to turn into the kind of player where he, you know, can he check enough to to justify and and he he be the one next mm -hmm. to Cunningham? That that's interesting. And Thompson's at the three. Mm -hmm. That's what I want, I'm interested to know as well. And I don't know if you've got any insight in this. But like, is is Monty's idea really like this front line of Stu and Duran together? Is he really committed to that? Or is it just because there's not another answer there? I, I don't hate the idea of Boyan for Killian and just going super big. A star can take the most talented perimeter player. And then we've seen at least possessions where Stu was matched up with Jimmy Butler. He was matched up with Jalen Williams. He can guard at least for a few minutes, those bigger wing matchups that the Pistons would need him to. And then when he can't, maybe that has to be Cade. So what's kind of your vibe around that, Amari, around the team in terms of Stu Duran? Is this like a combo in the front court where they're like really 
married to the idea of those two and really kind of want to build around that being the front court? You know, I think I'm not even sure if Monty completely knows the answer to that yet. Uh, I think Monty do coming in, you know, if you're talking to, you know, Troy that Isaiah Stewart's put in a lot of work to broaden out his skill set being a four. You know, but Monty's also talked about playing Isaiah as a small ball five, and we've seen some of that so far. Not a lot of it, but we've seen some of it. You know, but I think Monty's been pretty consistent in saying that he is still learning this roster. He's still learning how to maximize certain skill sets. And it wouldn't be surprising if at some point Monty says, we need more spacing in that starting lineup, and maybe just with Asar and Duran, you can still maintain enough of a defensive edge to not fall off too much in that area. You know, in which case, maybe you do bring Isaiah Stewart off the bench. And if that happens, you know, at that point, is there enough room in the rotation for Marvin Bagley? Do you just go with Duran and Stewart, which I think you could do and probably feel fine with, especially if you have Stewart as a, a small ball floor spacing five, which the Pistons currently do not have. So I think Monty's still in the midst of figuring out a lot of this. I think from a front office standpoint, they have invested in Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart being that front court of the future. I mean, they're the dog pound. I think they've shown pretty good chemistry so far. But a lot of that, too, is going to be matchup dependent. You know, like if you're going against a team like Boston, maybe you want that size up front. You know, if you're going against a team like OKC, where up until this season, they were like a really small team, you probably don't need that. It's a little bit overkill. So, you know, I'll be curious to revisit this maybe in December or January and see where we're at, because Monty really has been pretty open about him just figuring out where guys are and how he can maximize his skill set. Sean, you brought up Jaden Ivey and the numbers right now, I think one thing he struggled with last year, 47% at the rim in the half court. This year, so far, small sample, 60% at the rim. I, I feel like watching the games, you've seen him make some of these tougher finishes around the rim. What have you thought about Jaden Ivey just in regards to that, his ability to get into the lane, pressure the rim, pressure the defense, whether it's transition or the half court, and then now it's showing, I think, a better ability to actually capitalize and finish on those attempts around the rim? Well, other than the game against Miami, I feel like he's been a lot more patient in making sure there's a crease. And he doesn't need much of one, does he? No, he does not. No, and, and, and the other thing is, is it's almost like a secondary break kind of thing. It's a delayed transition where he's dribbling, you know, sort of taking his time. And then, he, and then it, you know, from three-quarter to quarter, just as you get to half court, he sees something and he goes. He's done that a few times too. And, if, you know, obviously he can finish with his left, but I just he, he sometimes like to, he likes to go from left to right and kind of finish with his right that way when he sees a lane. But I, I just feel like he's been, other than the Miami game, really, really smart and patient. And against Chicago, it's funny because he had a couple of plays that were uh, turnovers that were just, you know, oh, God, you know, he's got to learn. It just, they were bad choices more than, not bad, but they were, you know, the wrong choice more than anything else. He also, though, Amari, you'll, you'll recall, he had a couple of plays where he, one, he went in and it was a beautiful kick out. Mm-hmm driving in. He's done that a few times. So I, you see the playmaking, and that's what we saw the last six weeks of last year. It wasn't just the score, and it was the playmaking. I mean, he was he was the best player. Mm-hmm. And and that playmaking was, and we, had, you know, I saw a little bit of that against Chicago, and then he had a couple turnovers. I was just thinking, okay, Williams is going to have to ride that out at some point, because I, I, I think there's a lot to be had, not just scoring from him, but making plays. Amari, real quick here. Cody asks, 
Ivy might not have to start, but you think he needs more than 20 minutes a night. So right now, Ivy is only averaging 20 minutes per game. So would you like to see him get at least more time, whether it's off the bench with the starting lineup, whatever? I, I don't disagree with you that it's okay for him to come off the bench, but I know for me personally, I would like to see more than 20 minutes a night from him in his second year. And maybe it's, again, small sample size. I've said it multiple times now, but do you think it needs to be closer 27, 28 minutes a night for Jaden Ivey, even if it's off the bench? I think if he keeps playing the way he has these past few games, I mean, absolutely. I just think from a, a offense standpoint, they can't really afford to leave that on the bench more than necessary. I think the main question is who those minutes come at the expense of. I'm looking at it now. Killian Hayes is averaging 28 minutes. You know, we've seen Sasser in there a little bit. Obviously, you have Cade. Now, at some point, Monte Morris is going to come back too, and Monte's really, really going to have some tough decisions to make with that backcourt rotation. I think at this point, you could justify probably bumping Jaden Ivey up to like 24, 25, right? And that probably eats into, you know, Sasser a little bit. That probably eats into Killian a little bit. But, you know, especially on nights like like last night, you know, against OKC where, like defensively, you just don't have it. Maybe you do dial up offense a little bit and just see if you can get some buckets because they, they actually shot the ball like decently. <laughs> it was just everything else that was bad. So that wasn't the issue. So, like, you could get to 24, 25 with just with their guard depth. I don't know what his ceiling is as far as that, especially if he's not starting. I just think you have so many guys back there that there's going to be somebody who's probably getting the short end a little bit. I mean, they shot 15 to 28 from the three-point line against Oklahoma City, so they shot it really yeah. well. And again, they, they've yeah. been shooting yeah. it well from three all year, 40%, over 40%. They just haven't got a ton of them up. They're last in the league in number of attempts. You just brought up Killian Hayes. So, Sean, I want to get your thoughts on Killian Hayes because really we've talked about Killian with this starting lineup and where he fits. And at times we're like, okay, who should be going in for Killian? So let, let's just talk about what we've seen from Killian. He's got the start in four games. And here's the, Killian has now played 172 games. So for a long time and rightfully and fairly so, it was kind of the Cade conversation that we've been saying is he's barely played a full season. He's barely played any games. He played 76 games last year, over 170 now. He's 29% on catch-and-shoot three-pointers. He is 25% overall from three, 32% from the field. Where are you at with Killian Hayes, Sean? Do they need to keep investing in him? Should it be investing in him coming off the bench? How do you feel about the defense? Is it as good, as impactful as what a lot of people seem to think? He's still a solid defensive player. I, I don't know that he's quite... Maybe it's because he's not getting the the best assignment or the best player like he often did, the best perimeter player, when he, whenever he was on the floor. He doesn't look quite the same defensively to me. He still looks solid. I like his mid-range. He's been fairly effective with that, even though his overall percentage, but the three-point percentage is dragging that that overall percentage yes. down, right? Because it's so bad. But to me, he's a, he, he's a bench guy. But this gets back to Ivy for a second, I think. Williams and his staff decided they wanted to set a certain sure. kind of tone. They wanted to play a certain kind of way. They wanted to compete a certain kind of way, and they wanted to start defensively. Weaver talked about it. Tom Gores is talking about it, right? The owner, the owner of the team, and not that he's passing down edicts, but Hayes is a better defensive player than 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 Ivy, and so they're going to go with that. However, I also think they they want to make Ivy earn, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I think. They they want him to earn it. And show it. And a lot of times that can be a more meaningful way to get those minutes. You know, when you can when you can get something out of somebody because, you know, they don't have they don't have to play him. I mean, they don't have to start him and give him thirty five minutes a game. 
they can do what they're doing now. And if he keeps getting a couple of more minutes, but I, I, I think Hayes is ultimately a, a decent rotation guy, right? Yeah, I mean, if he comes in and yeah, defends and I, he's got a nice pull up mid range game and he can hit it with somebody in his face. Almost 50% on two point dribble pull up. So yeah, the numbers back up what you're saying and you're right. It's, it's kind of the three point percentage, maybe some of the stuff around the rim that's dragging down the overall percentage. But yeah, the, the mid range has been decent. We even going back to last year. It, yeah, I, I hate to cut the Killian Hayes conversation, but you bring up something interesting. Omari, I'd like to get your thoughts on this as well, obviously. Yeah, if this is what Monty's plan is, and this is what the coaching staff's plan is, there's no reason for us not to believe in it, is just to make Jay Nivey earn it. Go through this quote-unquote tough time, learning experience, growing, whatever you want to call it. The end result is going to be so worth it. I mean, obviously for us that cover the team, talk about it, fans, but for Jay Nivey as well, right? Like, so I've seen the fan base, Amari, get really upset that rookies came in and were just handed the keys to playing time and didn't get taken out whenever they played bad. And so why are we not excited that they're doing this with Jay Nivey and holding him accountable to whatever they feel like he's not doing that they want him to do? I, I think as a fan base, we can't have it both ways. We couldn't be mad when they weren't doing it and then be mad when they are. And obviously there's something Jaden's not doing, whether it's practice, defensively, whatever. And he's going to come out better on the other end. I, I think we just have to so hold true to that. And I actually talked to Mati about his philosophy on that a good amount during camp. And one, he said he doesn't like having players play through mistakes, especially young players. He thinks that that encourages bad habits. And his philosophy is, you know, like you have to execute when you're on the floor. But he also noted that it's not just in games. It could be something behind the scenes in practice that could lead to that decision as well. So, you know, to your point, Bryce, it could be something behind the scenes with Ivy that Monty doesn't like and he's trying to make him earn it. But I think along with that, I think, like, could Ivy play more? Yes, but how much have they left on the table by not playing him more, right? They're two and two. They lost against OKC because of defense. It really wasn't because of offense. And, like, what issue would playing Ivy more fix right now? I don't know if he necessarily fixes anything by playing more except getting you more points in exchange for defense. So long-term for his growth, holding him to that standard could be the best thing, not just for him, but for the uh, team. You know, Ivy wants to be better defensively. He's talked highly of Monty and, uh, you know, just the way he's handled the rotation and, and team so far. And you have Alec Burks, you have all these guys in that backcourt that could get you buckets. So the best version of Jaden Ivey long-term is somebody who could keep the ball moving, uh, obviously score, get to the rim, knock down catch and shoot threes, but also really, really defend. I mean, he's 6'5", he's got a big wingspan, he's got all, all the tools you would want from a guy uh, to be, if not a lockdown guy, at least above average on the perimeter, and he hasn't been that. So I think, you know, it is proving a point to Ivy, right? Like, yeah, we know what you can do, but you got to get better at what you can't do if you want to get consistent minutes on this team. And long-term, it could be the best outcome. All right, Sean, we got to get you out of here on this. What is your final thoughts? What's going to continue with this team? What is real? What isn't real that you've seen so far? Is there some overarching thought? Maybe some, not hot take, but maybe an overreaction? Anything from the first four games? We're going to have four new games coming up in just like six or seven days. Anything about this team right now that's excited, you're really looking to watch for? What, what's your final thoughts here? I, I just, I, I love the connection between Cunningham and Duran. Um, yeah. Offensively, obviously, but 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 defensively too. But I, I I just that connection. Those two seem like they have the potential to to be you know the the the, the anchor the together the anchor of a really really good team in a few years. 
And I think that's the most promising thing if you're a Pistons fan. And then you put Thompson right next there, who's just, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens offensively with him. But, but uh, yeah, those three together, but particularly just the Cunningham, Durham, you know, I, I don't want to say Sean, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton because the comps aren't great, but it kind of reminds me of that a little bit, you know, just in terms of Duran's athleticism. So that, so that, and then the other thing is I, I still think they're going to be, thir- you know, 31 team, maybe, maybe, maybe 35 if they, they get a little bit, uh, get a break here and there, but they're going to be largely competitive and they're going to be competitive with some good teams, especially at home and maybe in some tough losses, but they're going to be interesting to watch and compelling to watch as they're going to compete. And, and, you know, it's okay if they, if they only win 32 games or whatever, that's still double or just about double. Yeah, that's a 15-win improvement, and I'm with you. The Cade Duran pick and roll is in my notes from every single game because there seems to be real chemistry there. Omari, real quick, overarching thoughts, themes, takeaways, something you think is going to continue that's real, maybe something that's not real. Yeah, I just think Jalen Duran, like just what he's done so far. I actually forget what he's averaging, but he's. I, I remember a few weeks ago I said he would average twelve and twelve, and there was some debate. You are you are winning was. that bet right now. You uh, said twelve and twelve. He is averaging fifteen point five and thirteen point three. Yeah, and like two blocks or two and a half blocks or something like that. So I just think he surpassed all expectations considering how young he is. I just think he's really ahead of the curve. You see the passing flashes, how much he's improved defensively. Like, obviously, the vertical spacing, which he has since last year. But I just think he is... Like, what he's doing now is what I expected from, like, maybe year three or four. I didn't think we would see that in year two. And he has to sustain it. But if Duran is already this good, and he's, again, he doesn't turn 20 until next month. Well, I say that. This comes out on November 1st. So this month. <laughs> this month. We're recording on Halloween, folks. Just what is his trajectory long-term, right? Like, what else could he add to his game? I think it really makes you wonder, just as you look at the hierarchy of this team, like if K's your number one, is Duran your number two? Is he the defensive anchor who's also good enough on offense that teams really have to contend with what he brings? So, I just think he's blown away uh, a lot of expectations so far. He could be your number one. Okay. Hey, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. If, if, if a jumper comes, if, yeah. if, if a jumper comes, I mean, he, he drove the length of the floor against Oklahoma City and ended up with an A and one. Yeah, falling uh, kissing down. Kissing it way up off the top of the glass, right? He, like, he, he like, showed off his like, handles during Summer League. I was like, what? I know. No, no, no. I, I, I know that's crazy to say. But in five years, he 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 might be the best player. <laughs> I just want to say, I see everybody taking their victory laps. I try not to. I'm going to do it on the podcast. I've been saying I was wrong about him being day one ready, but I don't know that anybody was higher on his ceiling than me from the start. So I'm with you guys, obviously. And yeah, I love that one or two times a game, we see him from the top of the key, get downhill along the lane line. We've seen the passing flashes. And you're right, Sean, if the jumper comes, that really opens up a ton because he can put it on the deck enough then to attack a closeout. You're saying four or five years, I think that's probably the time frame. But man, we didn't give him or Asar probably enough love as we went through this podcast. Those are probably the two guys we didn't talk enough about. No, imagine him at 24 with a jumper. Yeah. That's first team all NBA. Nobody else in the league wants no, to seriously. imagine that. I yeah, know, I know. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen at all. Absolutely. But no, seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. I think what you said is this team is fun to watch. They're competitive. They're compelling. That was something I think a lot of fans didn't believe last year. We're seeing it this year. They're not even healthy yet. They're competing. It's a big week ahead. I think the game against the Blazers on Wednesday will be very interesting because that's a team that's got off to a slow start. This is a team that this Pistons team has to beat. 
Pelicans on Thursday, and then a tough back-to-back Sunday and Monday. Suns and Warriors will be back next Tuesday, live on YouTube, dropping the pod on Wednesday. Sean, it's so much fun when you're here. I think we could have gone another hour if we all had time. I know we don't, but we only got about half of the stuff I wanted to talk about. So thank you so much for joining us. I know you got you got to write some Lions stuff, and I don't know. Who knows what? You cover it all, but thank you so much for your time tonight. Oh, I'd love coming in with you guys. Thanks for having me. It's a blast. Yeah, we'll have to get you on more this season, especially if they continue playing the way they are now. And uh, maybe after the Lions win the Super Bowl, we could get you on even, even more in like late, <laughs> late, Febu- late February, March. No, I'm sorry. They, they didn't make a trade today, so they're not going to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, oh, folks. Oh, yeah. Mario. <laughs> well, well, I'll see, I'll see you Sunday and maybe Monday. I'll be yeah. there for the Suns for sure. And it'll be, you know. I might as well go for the Warriors too, right? You never know when those guys are going to retire. It's it's the Warriors. Yeah, no, you have to. You have to, absolutely. All right, Sean, again, thank you so much. We'll have you on again soon, and I'll close this out. So big thanks to our audio producer, Robin Chan, our executive producer, Arzadette Delgado, and our sports editor, Kirkland Crawford. And big thanks to Wes, as always. And we see you all next Tuesday.